I hear the ocean of my brother, he's not here to enjoy this. The time we spent in open waters cast ashore, that seems to be the consensus. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Music Mash Tone on Round Guys Radio, presented by Round Guys Brewing Company. Today I have with me Tim, Chris, Drew, and Tom of the band Andros, the pop punk. What would you guys consider yourselves? Pop punk? We don't know anymore. Geriatric. I feel like everyone has 35 labels these days. You have to be so specific. Pop punk you have to find right, that, yeah, that tag. Yeah, I want to thank you guys for swinging down. Uh, you guys, where did you come up with the name, Andros? Andros um, is the name. There's a, a video game uh, <laughs> that came out on the Nintendo 64 console um, called, called Star, Star Fox. Fox. And <laughs> Super Final. Nintendo. Oh yeah, the first one. Yeah, the first one, Super Nintendo. That's right. We're talking specifically about Star Fox sixty four. Yeah, just only sixty four. That's the best one. Um, But the final boss is the final boss is called Andros, and he's like a floating like monkey head thing. And I don't know. When I was starting the band, I just thought it was a cool name. Like honestly, it was kind of a joke to begin with, but people liked it. I was hoping that was the answer. That's great. Star Fox is a great series. All around, right? Oh Oh, no, like all the games are great. All the games. Yeah. So what is the background? Where's that? That side come from very political, very intellectual. You guys uh, growing like, up in the world, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just kind of already growing up in <laughs> yeah. the modern era, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like we all have completely different jobs and stuff, but like I grow, uh, like my full time job is I'm a theater artist, and so like very political. Uh, well, you tend to do you do works that you know hit certain topics, but also you just meet a ton of people. You tend to have more liberal. Kind of open to everything. Oh, definitely. In yeah, theater. you have to. Yeah. And so, like, the, the, the art is creative, yeah. right? The art is very yeah. liberal, and yeah, um, yeah. And my occupation, I'm actually a social studies teacher, and I teach modern world history. So I, I teach waiting. AP. I was waiting history. for some kind of poli sci, like yeah, history yeah. crossover. Social here. studies, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, this is my life. This is what I devote myself to. Just like reading about everything, researching. Right. I'm going from my master's soon, so. Yeah, that's just like my whole world. And I love that I can do like music that can be like a part of an expression of that. Right. And I love how I can just be in the classroom and just like spread that type of awareness to my own students. I, I just think uh, that's, I don't know, that's just who we are. Like it's kind of a coincidence that we all kind of share that amongst ourselves at work. But it doesn't come through in the music. So how do you keep that away from it? Well, actually, on the album, the first album we put out together yeah, as a band. Going. It comes out. See, Tim has been doing Andros things for how many years now? Eight? Jesus Christ. Eight. I actually started in high school, so he, I was like, 2008, I think. He's kind of gotten whoever was available to fill in. Mm-hmm. And the album, actually, before we all came in, Tim actually recorded all the instruments, vocals, and everything by mm-hmm. himself. And fun fact, I was supposed to record drums on that, but I got stuck <laughs> at Penn State. <laughs> yeah. like a bus home. Well, well. <laughs> but Tim, Tim got us together in like late... 2015 early 2016 yeah and uh we put out an album that next year 2017 which tim had wrote during the whole 2016 election cycle Mm -hmm. and such when everything that was happening there's some political songs that we do there's a song on um recidivist the most the last record that we did called pinko and it's (laughs) it's almost like it stands out on the record as like the very overtly political song it's almost like a green day song like i start with like a megaphone mm-hmm. when i wrote it i was thinking about like a almost like a workers union like a workers like revolution just like rising up and like it was like a modern day type thing and made it kind of i don't know very like an epic coheed and cambria type song and so very kind of, much embedded in kind of like a socialist yeah that's pretty interesting a lot of bands will stay away from doing anything overtly political uh you know you don't usually see 
in music nowadays, really anyone. I, I mean, in a, during the Iraq war, you had a lot of protest music, but I feel mm. like it just kind of mm, Yeah, it, it out, comes in right? waves. And mm-hmm. now the there's so much music out there now mm-hmm. where it's just like, there's almost like a reverse effect of like, there's so much music, how do I stand out? And it's almost like people will be very narrow in their approach of songwriting just and and will kind of make that very they'll make that mineral very shiny and like almost like a diamond as much as they can like on this narrow street though so it's always it's only going to be something that can be played on like a radio or like um a radio station i mean and like or get like the most streams on spotify or something like that but for us or me at least like i've always like wanted to write songs that like well you know if no if there's no no pressure from like any outside force to you know, make a, a song in a very particular way. I'm just going to write what I want. I'm going to write what I feel yeah. like I can do. And, like, I don't know, like, I can't write about what I don't know. And, you know, I keep up with this stuff generally. So, you know, I and I like songs that, like, kind of have a voice and have something to say, like a message. So, like, I, sometimes I do that. But it's not, it's not, we're not overtly a political band. We just kind of like to inject that sometimes because that's who we are. That's Yeah, and I feel like just with music in general or just culture in general, there tends to be like an ebb and flow to things. It's all reactionary. You know, after Iraq, there was a huge protest music type thing. And even aside from protest music, it's just escapism music. It's either you're going to confront this issue head on and criticize it or you're going to create a medium for people to listen to it and escape the problems of their daily lives. And with 2016, I think we do see a lot of artists... I don't think as many as I anticipated, but a lot of artists writing these protest music and this political music to criticize and attack the current state of our mm-hmm. nation. Uh, but a lot of it also seems to be escapism, to kind of just throw on a record and forget the troubles of the time. And I think that's exciting because that's what I liked as a kid, like really like upbeat, like youthful music that was saying something. Like when American Idiot came out. Like, <laughs> it's like It was like really poppy, upbeat music, but it had like a message and like, I don't know, like stuff like that, like, really excited me as a kid and I just the, like I think with like the funniest thing too is with this like with Tom said like the whole like ebb and flow with like politics and music and stuff is like after that initial kind of one in like the early 2000s it kind of faded off a little bit right yeah and all these bands get new fans and it's very funny because with the whole like rise of like Trump and our like current like political climate and whatnot when bands started writing more songs like that you got a lot of people that were like Oh, a lot of like hardcore and punk bands mostly really kind of are, I feel like are the most vocal about it. Yeah, definitely. And have the really, I feel like no symbolism. It's very blunt messages. Like you have these bands like come up with these songs and there are always that group of fans that are like, keep politics out of music. And it's like, do you know how this scene of music started? (laughs) It's like, it's like hardcore and punk and like politics have always gone hand in hand. Have you listened to the Dead It's like, Like, do you know, like music's always been meant as an expression. And if it has to be a political expression, it has to be a political expression. Yeah. And you play with an apparatus strapped around your child. Tells you when to wake and go to sleep You say Through tunnel vision lenses on your open eyes So you won't be seeing what you want to see And it blacks out every burden Every dark Blacks out every burden And it makes life Oh, you know. They 
for yourself Stop yearning for the past when it wants nothing to do with you For yourself Do it for yourself I saw that you guys uh, worked with a, uh, a buddy's cousin of mine uh, over at Man Overboard. So how was the recording over there? How you tell great, me dude. a little bit about that process. Awesome. It was there. a really great experience for us. Nick is great. He's very easy to work with, and he doesn't sugarcoat things. Like, <laughs> no, which is no, great. No, he does not. There, there's a lot of times, like, with other people I've recorded with, I go in and I give a take that I'm like, oh, that take was fine. And they'll be like, yeah, that take was fine. And I go in and be like, that take was fine. It was like, it was really bad. You should do it again. Or like, that take was just fine. You can do it better. Which is, he's always striving for that. You. Oh, and definitely, it, yeah. it doesn't matter how many takes you have to do. He'll say, you can do it better. Like, I know mm. watching you drum. Oh, my God. So I think the first session we had with him, like a year and a half ago, I was very nervous because, you know, I'm coming into this studio. It's Nick Bruzzesi and right. Ace Enders, you know, huge names. I mean, I listen to both their albums constantly through college, like right. all their, their whole discographies, rather. So I go into this recording studio and I'm recording one of our songs. I feel very confident with it. And for the most part, I get a lot of the sections done, but a lot of it's like, redo this, redo that, redo this. You can do this better. And before it was like, if I like any other recording experience, I would like lay down a drum track and they would be like, oh, yeah, like that was fine. I'm like, are you sure? Like, maybe I can do a little better. And they're always like, oh, yeah, we can move on. Let's keep going. But Nick was always like, nope, you can do that better. Keep doing it better. Even when I thought like, yeah, I can't do this possibly any better. He's like, nope, keep doing it. Keep laying it down. And then we got to this one fill in the first song that I'm recording with them. And the fill in and of itself might be like 16 seconds long. It's pretty like extensive. But we must have spent like at least an hour tracking that oh, one yeah, particular drum I, fill. I think it was Caligula. It was Caligula. Yeah, it was like the snare roll coming out of the bridge oh, and yeah. he, needed, he needed it so clean. he needed he it needed so it. clean and, it, and as a drummer my weakness has always been my left hand and keeping the left hand even with the right and doing like a very consistent roll like that prolonged you can hear eventually my right hand overpowering it and it's like an uneven drum fill so that was something that we had to do over and over and over again. i can't even i don't remember how many takes of it we did but it definitely took wow. like an hour to do <laughs> but yeah it was a lot it was a lot but coming out of it like I, I felt awful. I felt absolutely terrible. Like, I was questioning my skill. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I went to music school for, like, a year, so I thought I had, like, s at least some form of credibility behind me. But then working with Nick more and more, he was just absolutely so supportive. And I never felt more confident in my skills as a drummer working with him. He, he is so... I, I can't even put it into words. I can't it's, articulate it. It speaks to his sort of belief in us, which, like, I saw. Like, I've worked with uh, a couple producers, and... You know, they all have varying degrees of enthusiasm for what they think our band can do. Um, but Nick was varying always... Varying degrees of enthusiasm. <laughs> right. But, like, <laughs> Nick and I really especially, like, you know, we're, we're around the same age. Kind of, like, I'm a little younger than he is. And he, like, he'll pick out things that I put in the song. It's like, oh, dude, that's such a hey Mercedes lick. Or that's such a... You know, you got that from Sparta. I'm like, dude, how did you know? Like, yeah. But then, like, on the, like, the third session we had with him, like, it got to a point where we're so comfortable anymore that... I did what shutters in like two or three takes. Yeah. Like we were knocking these songs out left and right. Over time, you know, over time, like we just got more comfortable with them, and we can come in and like I, we started making the songs. Like we were writing them almost like in the studio or like the time away from the studio. We're just like we got like these new batch of songs based on what we learned the first time when we went in with Nick for like you know we did like three songs of them, and then in that time before we went in the next time, like we had four songs that were like even better. Did you guys like, make new songs while you were there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how did that process go well we like we did like three songs as almost like a test run there's songs that we released as singles like Col Caligula Lady Scene is one of them 
Ray Panjandrum was another, and I think Fire. Yeah, yeah Fire was started there. Fire. Because that's what they asked. They were just like, you know, hey, like we want to record you guys. Like instead of coming in with like a whole album, come in with like three songs, and we'll see how it goes. And we didn't know how it was gonna go. We'd never meet, like we never worked with them before. We give them like demos of the song, like what do you think? And they're like, this this part's cool, but we sh- this should be before the chorus, and this should be this, and they're tearing it apart. There was one song that never even we never even recorded. Yeah. Like we came in with it, and they they. Where they had so many like kind of revisionist ideas about it that I'm just like, hey, let's just not do that. Eyes without a face. Eyes without a face. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to rip it apart that much. Right. 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 Let's, just, let's just not do that because it's obviously not ready. It's not done yet. We'll go back so to the drawing like, board on that one. It's funny because like you mentioned that and like I remember I get this text. It's like six or seven o'clock at night and this text is seven paragraphs long and just about <laughs> like all the all the changes and all the thoughts and then it gets down to Eyes Without a Face, which has become one of my favorite songs and he's yeah. just like we're not doing that one i'm just we're like skipping that well i don't know that i like this guy he's changing all and i, <laughs> I was like no you're right like i went in and you guys had rearranged fire and yeah. i was like oh yeah we changed that whole intro up and whatnot were there moments where you guys like stood your ground uh, a couple times yeah there's there's only, there's how only do you, been a how few do you times. handle moments where you sincerely disagree with your producer you just got to be firm i'm trying to think of one that I like had to stand my ground. I, I I can tell you one. Yeah, it was at the end of Arms Race. We talked about switching the, what's it called the the pre-chorus and the chorus. Parts. Oh right, yeah, the vocal, um, the vocal lines. Like we wanted yeah. to like switch them inverse somehow, them, yeah, and reverse them. And Nick was like, "Oh, we'll do it that way." And I'm like, "Honestly, I don't like that, man." And sometimes you have to be like, "All right, well, let's try it." Yeah, see how it goes. It, it never like it never hurts to try. If you have the time, it never hurts to try. There are some places that charge you by the hour, yeah. charge mm-hmm. you by the day. If you have the time to do it, always do it because oh, yeah. worse comes to worse, you don't use that take. You, yeah, have, you just, you just right. delete it. There's no like, such thing as recording well, too sucks much. And the old way's fine, so it's just like exactly. It's called Caligula deleted scene. So why don't you right tell me a little room. bit about this album release? What's on there? Well, it's the product of us, you know, recording with Nick, and it's going to be seven songs. Are there um, any songs that people wouldn't have heard? Uh, Arms Race is going to be on it. We released that yeah, um, but early I, in the summer. I was going to um, say, we have another a music video we're putting out, I think, to coincide with the album. Right. Announcement. Like, when yeah. we announce the whole thing, like, we're yeah. going to have a video out for another song called The Sea Is My Brother, which we played here, the song that I broke my string in. Start to finish, how long was this album? 
We started doing it, I guess, whenever we started the second session. Uh, the second September session. September. It was last year. 14th, 2018. Jesus Christ. What's all these? Really, then? Yeah. Oh my God. Man. I got like a Facebook thing where I was like, one year ago, you were at the lumberyard. Yeah. So it's so it's a little over a year in the making, and and honestly, like it's the best thing we ever done because it was more collaborative and uh, our produce. It's really built you guys too. I mean, oh, yeah. like you said, yeah. your skill level increased dramatically just oh, yeah. from going in those sessions. Not necessarily. Yeah, we well, definitely skill, like but more so confidence. Like right. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, because I feel like I've always had like the timing, yeah. and I always, I always like. Growing up, I was very like introverted and timid, but music has always been a good way for me to break out of that shell. And through it, I've become much more extroverted. And even well, teaching, obviously, I kind of have to be. So that's definitely pushed me a bit. But the whole experience has been amazing. It's it's helped with my confidence. And I've, I've, I think these yeah. seven songs, I've never been more proud of them. I've never recorded seven songs I've been more proud of. Mm-hmm. And each song is like... I feel like entirely different stylistically, influence wise. It's it's very complete. Even though it's seven songs, there's a lot in there. There's a ton and of every variety. Song is, every song is different. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot of variety. Digest. It's the that's the album that's worth making in my opinion mm-hmm. because there's really no filler. It's like we didn't want to put all songs killer, in there. Maybe. No filler. It's all killer. <laughs> well, one particular album that like I listened to it's like nonstop throughout the, like us writing this whole thing was the Afterman by Coed and Cambria, yeah. and it's like a double album. Mm-hmm. There's Ascension and Descension, and you know they all have like different moods, but every song like stylistically is yeah. like entirely different. So I tried to bring that type of like mentality in when writing the drum part. It's like mm-hmm. I like people always ask me like, what do you look for? Like, what do you listen to when you write a good drum part like that? And I always ask you know wwjd what would josh do <laughs> in josh terms of josh ever the drummer from coding and cambria and i kind of use that as like a jumping off point yeah the bracelet and it has josh's like awesome drumming face on it <laughs> that just <laughs> we, we really had no expectations going in we just wanted to put our best foot forward and we had good songs in our pocket and we just wanted to make them huge because you know we had nick you know in our corner and Right. He helped us Definitely. really make a really kill, killer ass record. Yeah, he did. Do you feel feel a lot of that cohesion came from your recent production experience? Being well, forced that's, that's to really like I think we very naturally just Yeah. Um or is it just the longevity of this band so far? I think we got lucky. Yeah. Because when I started this band it was a completely different group of guys plus me. And I didn't have nearly the same amount of like compatibility musical compatibility that i have with these three guys because it's just i don't know like when you're young you just kind of want to do it and it's it kind of doesn't matter like i was already like writing a lot of the songs and but over time like it it kind of shows itself that like it's harder and harder to do new things because the guys that you're with like don't really mesh with what you're doing yeah. and they're confused they're like they don't then they stop practicing and then <laughs> they don't feel like they're part of it and it's just like it becomes harder and harder to drive the boat. And like, at one point, like in like 2015, like I just put Andros down. I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was just, it got too stressful. Like, and I was just like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Right. It'll come back. Yeah. So, but and then like, but then meeting these guys, they were all just like fans of Andros already. And we just kind of were like, let's just jam someday. And yeah, and it just very organically came back. Like I didn't make it come back. Like I didn't try and shove it, you know, into mm-hmm. the ethos. It just very organically happened. I think, so that's why I think we're lucky. I think the four of us, like, we're lucky to have found each other and that we, like, have been able to do this for this long. So 
more evangelists? Uh, well, you know, we're on all the socials, like Facebook, Instagram. We have a big cartel with all our merch on it. Like, we're more active on Instagram, really, because um, I don't know, I just feel like there's more visibility there. Facebook is cool, but we only really use that to bump shows and like, um, when it comes to like our normal like day-to-day -day stuff, like of what we're doing, like, hey, like we're goofing around at this place or like, hey, we're doing a podcast here. Like we usually do that on like Instagram or Twitter. Like, um, yeah, it's all linked anyway. Mm -hmm. If you post something on Instagram, it's on Facebook. Add Andros anyway. Band. That's really yeah. all you need to know. Excellent. Well, I want to thank Andrew. Also, I want to thank Tim, Chris, Drew, and Tom for coming down here. Thank you, Bill. Thank you guys thank you. for playing Thanks. some tunes. Uh, Round Guys Radio, you can definitely check us out wherever you're listening to us. Please rate and review on wherever you're doing your uh, podcast listening. Every little bit helps. Also, want to bump you guys out to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash roundguysradio. So, uh, yeah, just go over there, like us, hang out there for a little bit. You can find out more about Round Guys Brewing Company, roundguysbrewery.com, undergroundlandsdale.com, see what upcoming shows we have here at the Underground. You can also book private parties down here, check it out. And lastly, there's probably something else here. Oh, yeah, I need to give credits, right, Mamata? So I want to credit our uh, sound, our recording engineer and our uh, producer, Woo! Mamata Tarima, and I'm your host, Bill McGinney. Thank you again for listening to Round Guys Radio, and I'll see you guys next week. See you. See you. See you.